Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. The last time we saw Brent, he was at the AMC IMAX Theater on the east side of Noblesville, Indiana. A junior at Ball State University, Brent had arranged to meet an underage girl for a movie that afternoon. But rather than the pretty blonde teenager he'd been communicating with over the last six months, he was met by two men with video cameras. I walked out of the theater. I was walking kind of around the corner up to the front lobby, heading towards the out. And there's a receptionist desk right there. And I start walking around the corner. All of a sudden, I see these two guys with a video camera. It was like one of those old handheld recorders, those little digital recorders. They walk in, and uh, I, I remember that day being, being pretty cold out. So I think they had jackets on. I, I think one of them had a hat on. And uh, didn't really recognize who they were at first. All I remember is them saying, hey, Brent, hey, hey, she's not real. And I'm like, wait, what? what's what's going on? I'm like, what are you talking about? And these guys, I, I had no idea who they were. And then I looked up and they were my former roommates, Sean and Jacob. They've got a video camera in my face saying that Ashley's not real. You've been duped. This was us the whole time. And I'm like, oh, okay. Brent says that those were his old roommates. I was his new roommate, which is how we became friends. I had moved in about a week earlier, after meeting him for the second time, maybe a month before that. I have to this day never met either Sean or Jacob. In that exact moment, I was numb. I was trying to process what actually happened. I didn't really say anything. They just caught my face on camera and they were laughing. They go running back out to their car and just take off. And it was just like this crazy whirlwind blur that I'm sure lasted five, 10 minutes, but to me it lasted like an eternity. I, I just remember walking back in that exit door and just kind of standing there thinking to myself like, what is going on? I've been talking to Ashley for the last five, six months. We've got this amazing relationship through online dating. It's the closest that I could feel to actually love. I was actually feeling something for her. There's one part of this story, no matter how many times I hear it, that will never make any sense to me. After the sting in the lobby, Brent didn't go home. He went back into the theater and finished his movie. He just didn't know what else to do. He needed to sit down and collect himself for what had very suddenly became the worst day of his life. All that excitement, the nerves and anticipation, was still bubbling somewhere inside him, but it had nowhere to go. It was now coated with a layer of anxiety and disappointment, and the contrast between these two emotional spectrums 
seemed to cancel itself out, like an acid and a base on the pH scale. Rather than being overwhelmed with emotion, he felt numb, nothing at all. But his head was buzzing and churning, and he stared through the screen for the next hour. He waited, but no police arrived. No wailing sirens or handcuffs, and no more cameras. So he sat there in the dark, to the end of the credits, when the lights turned on. Today he says he has no idea what was even playing. I remember just stopping dead in my tracks. I'm just numb, didn't cry. I'm not a crier, I've just, it takes a lot for me to like cry. But I walked back in and paused for a moment and the guy that was at the cashier's desk, he was like, what, what's going on? Are you, are you being duped? Are you being scammed? And I just looked at him and was like, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. And then I just walked away back into the movie. I sat there. I went back up to my seat and sat and watched the movie. I say watched, but I was just kind of numb. I was just sitting there just trying to process what actually happened. And I remember the movie being over and walking out of the movie theater started out where it's daylight and you get out and it's like pitch dark and I drive home. When he got home, he looked like a zombie. His face was pale. His eyes were vacant, as if he'd seen a ghost a few hours ago. And that ghost were still standing right in front of him. He washed his face in the sink and went to the blue chair in the corner of the living area. I know all of this because I was sitting on the couch opposite the chair in the very same room. And the second he came in, I knew something was wrong. I honestly thought one of his family members had died. I didn't know Brent well, but the gray, spacey look in his face was the kind that needs no interpretation. I remember him saying that the two men with cameras had been his previous roommates, before myself and another friend named Zach. I don't remember much else, but he was so dazed that I don't think he shared much else. He was clearly still processing what had happened. So when I got home, first off, the whole texting thing, I'm like, what's what what just happened? So I'm messaging Ashley, trying to figure out like, hey, my roommates just came into the movie theater and said that like all this wasn't real, like what's going on? And it was radio silence, nothing. And didn't hear anything back after that. So after a whole six months of this conversation happening, nothing. So waited two or three days, days turned into weeks. By that point, I figured out what was going on. But that night, I was beside myself. I asked Brent about the video taken of him at the theater. So that video was, at least for a few days, sitting on their camera, at least as far as I know. And... I honestly didn't think anything about it. I was like, okay, this is guys being guys. They're probably just getting back at, you know, me for some of the things that happened during our experience living together as roommates. And they, I would say probably three or four days later, uploaded this video to YouTube. And the caption was, Brent A. Allred is a pedophile. And I remember that moment vividly because I'm like, this is, this is it. My uh, college career is over. This is running through all of my pieces of music that I had posted up on YouTube. 
when you type in Bren Allred, Bren A. Allred is a pedophile is coming up alongside of work, all of my work that I've worked so hard to accomplish and get out there as a musician and uh, didn't know what to do. It's on somebody else's profile. Don't know how to get it off of there. And so for the next few days, this is just running through my stuff. I, I thought college is bound to see this. We're using uh, YouTube and video platforms and stuff to upload our scores to different things. And we're even we're using these platforms to do our work for school. And I'm thinking my friends are going to see this. What are they going to think? What do I what do I do? And had no idea. I, I so I was, I was beside myself for, for a couple days and uh, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody what was actually going on that video, um, but I knew somebody was gonna see it eventually. I didn't see it until Brent shared it one night after dinner. He had the same gray expression in his face, this sort of vacant, distracted helplessness, and I could tell something else had happened. He mentioned the video and we watched it together. Obviously, I had known the video existed, but the glory days of internet shaming were still far off in the future. Brent's being filmed was a central part of his story, but even as bad as it sounded, I hadn't bothered to look for it online. As we were talking, our other roommate, Zach, came out of his room. Zach peeks his head out of the back room he's like what are you guys talking about i hear something about a video and running through your your stuff i, I just kind of overheard he was he was playing his video games like normal he found out and basically told him the story that this video brent a all red is a pedophile is running through all of my music stuff and dude we gotta we gotta try to get that down I, i've got a good idea i don't know if it's gonna work or not but uh let's give it a shot so he was playing online. I'm not entirely sure what game it was, but he was playing online with a big group of people. He posted the link of the video in the video game feed and asked people like, hey, this is my buddy, is my roommate, this is false information. This is entirely inappropriate and it has the ability to basically ruin his entire music career, his college career, we need to get this taken down. So I'm asking everybody that you possibly can, if you can take a moment to flag this YouTube video to get it taken down. So Zach walked me through how to basically flag a video on YouTube. I went in, I tried to do that on my account. I don't know how many reports we got from YouTube, but it was apparently enough to get it removed within the next 24 hours. If it wasn't for that, uh, to be honest with you, it'd probably still be up there. I have no way of getting it down. I remember it being up there for probably close to a week, at least a hundred views, if not more. But those views were people that they shared that video with because they shared it on their social media accounts. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the college professors didn't see it. Obviously with YouTube, you don't really have a way of knowing what specific person it's just computer just says how many views but and then it's hard telling what it was over the next you know few days so not very many but still enough to ruin a reputation a few hundred people watching a video like that is one thing a few hundred people who know you personally watching a video like that is another altogether that's basically your whole world Brent says that while he had initially thought he was talking to one girl named Ashley, the first contact on Facebook had actually been with Sean and Jacob. 
Ashley was who I thought was messaging me the entire time. As far as I knew, that Facebook profile was hers, and she was actively messaging me, and she transitioned over into her cell phone and was talking to me through her phone. So up until this point, I thought that the only communication I had was with her. I found out that wasn't the case. Brent says now he was talking to two girls, one of them 13 and the other 16. They were sisters. So between the two of them, they had been exchanging messages back and forth. The two of them had been communicating with me through what I thought originally was Ashley's phone. So it was actually the two of them communicating back and forth. So they were exchanging times in which they would communicate with me to make it appear that it was constant communication. But in the days following the sting, and even after the video, Brent says he didn't know any of this. He would learn it later from a local detective who had been put on the case. All he knew at this point was that Ashley was not who she said she was and that he was in trouble. Zach had been able to help him get the video down, but he had no idea what to do next. He needed guidance. And where do college students go when they need guidance? To the guidance counselor, of course. No, seriously, that's really what Brent did. How I found out about the information about the Facebook and the text messages was by me going to Ball State and talking to their guidance counselor. That was my next step in the chain of like, what do I do? I don't know how to, I don't know how to cope with this. I'm now living with a dynamic of students that were my friends that are now quote enemies and I have classes with them. And so I bring all this information to the guidance counselor at Ball State and they refer me to a detective on the campus. Brent says the first thing he noticed about Ashley's profile was that she had gone to Wapahani High School, the same school he attended. I graduated from Wapahani too, the same year as Brent, and though our graduating class had barely 100 students, we never spoke, not once, never had a class together, ate together, or anything else. Brent was a band kid. I was a homeless kid. We just never crossed paths. But when Brent sees the name of our little country high school in Ashley's profile, he lights up. I had saw on the profile that she had uh, graduated from Wapahani High School. And I instantly felt that connection. I was just like, hey, you know, I, I went to Wapahani. You know, it's like, well, maybe, maybe we've got some friends in common. As it turns out, they had a lot of friends in common, as in hundreds of them. I don't know if this is actually true, but the way the Facebook looked, they spent months to make it look like it was a legitimate Facebook. And they added the information of her being from Wapahani and basically all of my friends. They were adding my friends list to make it look like that profile was somebody legitimate, somebody that was a real person, but somebody that I thought was real and that I thought knew all of my friends. 
How many friends are we talking? I remember at that time, the, the profile had probably close to 500 friends in total on the profile. The specific number comes to mind. I'm looking at, like, it's been such a long time ago, but it was somewhere around like 456, 457. I don't know why that numbers are coming to, coming to mind, but that was about the range of the amount of people that were on, on there. And so most of them were my friends. You know, there was probably at least 50 of them that were mutual friends. And the fact that the profile's from Wapahani, I was like, you know, she knows all my friends. Like, she, she must have just moved here. You don't get 500 friends overnight. If what Brent is saying is true, this is elaborate. It's honestly hard to believe that anyone would go through that kind of trouble, along with all the texting and all that time and energy all for a five-minute gotcha video. And why would these two girls, 13 and 16, who Brent has never met, go through any of this trouble? And what did any of it have to do with Brent's roommates, who were also, of course, college-aged? At the time that all this was happening, I was doing my best to be a good listener and support Brent where I could, but none of it made any sense. He says today that the profile was created by the two men at the theater, two fellow Ball State students named Sean and Jacob. I've mentioned that on the day the sting went down, I had been living with Brent for only a week. Zach was actually a new roommate too. We had recently replaced Brent's previous roommates. You guessed it, Sean and Jacob. I forget what they had her last name as. I think it might have been like Ashley Marie or something like that that was on the profile. But all I remember seeing is that she went to Wapahani. And when you look at Facebook, it'll say current or went. And if I remember right, it said she had went to Wapahani. So I had never asked how old she was. Leading up to this, the six months, I, I that wasn't even a, a conscious thought. There wasn't a birthday on there. There was no date to indicate how old she was. It was just Wapani, and the rest was multiple pictures of her. Not a lot. I think there was like three or four, but enough. And they had kind of made some random post on there enough to make it look like it was real. You can fake posts and names and pull words out of thin air. But what about the pictures? They had to be of someone, of some real person somewhere. I asked Brent if he knew. So the pictures on the Facebook profile were of a girl from Southside High School by the name of Emily. And Emily, at this point in time, had no idea that that Facebook had been created. If Emily didn't know, who did? And if she didn't know, how did she end up with thousands of text messages from Brent and her cell phone? As we'll soon learn, it was in fact Emily, along with her middle school sister Savannah that Brent was talking to all along. We will also discover that the two girls on the other side of this increasingly confusing online romance do in fact have one connection with their new fake boyfriend, Brent's former roommate Sean one of the men filming him at the theater just so happens to volunteer with a band at both of their schools. Lights, me, takes me 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.